This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Strange things are happening so quickly in the church that it is actually difficult to keep up with the more important news items of the day. Lately, the focus here on this channel and podcast has been keeping a focus on the bishops and cardinals who teach the actual Catholic faith, and either how they've been silenced by Rome for dubious reasons, or on what they say to correct the errors coming out of Rome in our time. In the aftermath of Bishop Strickland being removed as bishop of his diocese, and in the aftermath of Cardinal Burke being the only cardinal in Rome so far forced to actually pay for his Vatican apartment when no one else has been as a punishment for his unwillingness to remain silent in the face of error, any bishop, cardinal, or priest who speaks publicly in defense of the Catholic faith is taking a huge risk. We have another account of just such a cardinal speaking today, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, who may be the most frequent of all bishops to publicly correct errors coming from Rome. Mueller is no traditionalist by any stretch of the imagination, but he seems dedicated to preserving the truth, and he has a very high profile in the church, and is taken seriously by moderates in the church on a great many issues, and it's the moderates whose minds that we as traditional Catholics need to win over. He gave an interview a few days ago to a German outlet where he spoke against a great many errors of the recent synod and how the Synod represents a break from the Church's teaching on numerous issues that we've all heard about endlessly at this point. I want to zero in on the foundational errors he spoke about, and those errors are one of the reasons we're seeing good bishops and cardinals getting canceled by Rome. So, to the present rulers of the Church, only Francis may interpret doctrine and dogma, and everyone else must simply repeat what he says, regardless of how erroneous it is. Any opposition to what he says is the highest form of disloyalty. This subject touches on the basic issue of the nature of revelation, the church teaching that public revelation has ceased to be given by God, that public revelation closed with the passing of the Apostle John. The church preserves that revelation and teaches it in an unchanging manner for all time, providing interpretations of the gospel to meet changing social conditions over time, though the church's teachings don't change because the gospel doesn't change. The church merely tells us what the application of the gospel would be in changing times. This is Catholicism 101 stuff, it really is, but unfortunately, it has to be repeated today because it really does look like a new gospel is being promulgated by Rome. Cardinal Mueller is asked about this in the ending of public revelation and the church's immutable role in protecting revelation in light of everything going on in the church today. And here was what he told his interviewer, quote, The revelation of God in Christ as truth and salvation of the world is certainly not a loosely connected sum of heterogeneous ideas, but rather the permanent presence of the crucified and resurrected Lord in the Holy Spirit. God himself announces the gospel to everyone through the church. See Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It is a resurrected Christ himself exalted before the Father, who in the Holy Spirit fills believers with the grace through the seven holy sacraments, strengthens them and prepares them for eternal life in the most intimate community of life with God. Christ is also present and acts as head of the church through the apostles and their successors in the episcopacy and priesthood, whom he has appointed to be shepherds, according to his heart, 
Because in the word who became flesh, the fullness of truth and grace came irreversibly and definitively into the world, the, quote, teaching of the apostles, see Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which bears witness to this, is immutable, insurmountable, and indisputable. However, there is a growth in the consciousness of faith and in the life of grace of the entire church. We must be willing to respond to anyone who asks us about the rational foundation, the divine logos, of the hope that is in us. See 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. We must not deviate from sound doctrine, that is, sound doctrine just to flatter people. See 2 Timothy. Because in Christ the fullness of truth and grace came to the world once and for all. As high priest of the new covenant, Christ entered the sanctuary once and for all, with his own blood, thus affecting eternal redemption. See the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 12. This teaching of the apostolic faith was given to the church for faithful and unadulterated transmission. There is a deeper understanding throughout church history that leads to the full revelation of God's glory at the end of time. But this is not a change in the modernist sense where the authority of the word of God is distorted by its reinterpretation in human reasoning, that is, by rational consideration. Vatican II thus describes the correct connection between the immutability of final revelation and its growing understanding in the listening and prayer of the church. What was transmitted by the apostles includes everything that helps the people of God to live a holy life and to increase faith, in this way, the church continues through the centuries in teaching, life, and worship, and transmits to all generations everything that it is, everything it believes. This apostolic tradition progresses in the church under the assistance of the Holy Spirit. The understanding of the things and the words transmitted grows through the reflection and study of believers who consider them in their hearts through the inner intuition that comes from experience spiritual by the announcement of those who by succession to the episcopate have received the sure charisma of the truth because the church through the centuries constantly strives to reach the fullness of divine truth until the words of god are fulfilled in her see vatican II document de verbum paragraph eight end quote this reinterpretation using human reasoning is key to this discussion. There has been a very real attempt to have the timeless teachings of the church filtered through the changing nature of human reason, meaning that the church must get with the times and adopt whatever moral teaching is of the moment. No longer are we told that the church has the same answer to pretty much every moral question it's ever been faced with. Now we're told by Francis himself, no less, in a motu proprio that he published in October, that the church must work with the social scientists of the world to help theology influence social science endeavors, and vice versa, which I think is the real telling part there. He tells us that the church must take the advances of the sciences and social sciences seriously as she attempts to address the problems that the world faces. Social science tells us that the natural sciences have proven that much of what the church says is sinful behavior isn't sinful at all and is instead just a natural expression of human nature. And to insist that such things are sinful is actually bad and a destruction, destructive and a violation of human dignity. This then begs a question. Who has the teaching authority in the world? Who has the teaching authority in the church? The answer to both of those questions on issues of morality and dogma 
has always been the bishops of the church in union with the Roman pontiff as supreme shepherd. Most of the time throughout the history of the church, the popes didn't actually need to teach all that much because bishops were fully capable of teaching the faith, with the pope chiming in when necessary and really doing it to reinforce particular things going on in particular dioceses. He'd do it from time to time, but otherwise, much was done by the local ordinary. After the Reformation, popes got a lot busier in their teaching office because they had to, and that hasn't changed, unfortunately. But now we see Rome trying to force bishops to only teach exactly what it is that Francis says, even when he's clearly at odds with the deposit of the faith. Mueller responds to a question about this in a way that makes pretty clear that this is a novelty in the history of the church, and it should concern everyone because Mueller has admitted publicly that Francis teaches things that are material heresy. Quote, the doctrine of the infallible magisterium of the Pope and of the ecumenical councils is integrated into the church's mission to faithfully and unadulteratedly preserve revelation, but no way precedes or surpasses it. The doctrinal decisions are not based on the Pope as a private person with all his corners, limits, and obsessions, but is his capacity as teacher of Christianity appointed by Christ, quote, in whom as an individual the highest charisma of the infallibility of the church itself. See Lumen Gentium, paragraph 25. This formal authority is fully tied to the teachings of Christ and the apostles in scripture and tradition, especially in the creed, liturgy, sacraments, and above dogmatic doctrinal definitions. For the Pope and the entire episcopate assembled at the council, however, the following applies, quote, However, they do not receive a new public revelation as part of the divine deposit of the faith, divinum fide depositum. See Lumen Gentium 25. Vatican I explains the dogmatization of papal infallibility. Quote, The Holy Spirit was not promised to the successors of Peter so that they would bring to light a new doctrine through his revelation, but so that with his help they would use the revelation or the legacy passed down by the apostles, the deposit of the faith, of the faith to be sanctified and faithfully interpreted. See the dogmatic constitution, Pastor Eternus, chapter 4. In an inauthentic sense, one can speak of the social teaching of Pope Leo XIII or the Christology of Pope Leo the Great, but the popes do not have their own teaching that complements and updates the revelation or adapts to their respective philosophical worldviews and political ideologies so as not to fall behind progress. It is a completely different thing when scientific theology enters into a conversation about the challenges that arise, for example, in social theory with the Industrial Revolution, and how human dignity can be preserved in the midst of enormous technological changes. However, it means keeping up with the times, resisting the trends of anti-human uh, ideologies, and defending the inalienable personal dignity of every human being against massification and the use of people as mere material for war and economic purposes. The Apostle says, Prove everything and keep what is good. See 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. End quote. Human dignity is used as an excuse for the promotion of all kinds of weird ideas that run contrary to the faith. The point of the church recognizing human dignity was to oppose these social movements that seek to alienate people from themselves, their communities, their countries, and of course, from God, so that they can be better consumers and followers of secular authority. Now, human dignity is invoked for all of those things, 
by the very same authorities we're told by Francis the church should be working with. The same social and natural scientists that were told that we should be putting our trust in, and his mechanism, meaning Francis's, for doing that is to control the teachings of the church by forcing literally every bishop in the church to just regurgitate what he teaches, and to punish anyone severely who stands against his errors, hence why Bishop Strickland was told to lighten up on the deposit of faith stuff. It's also tiresome, really, it is, but that's where we are today. What do you think about this? Do you see this stuff as why Bishop Strickland and Cardinal Burke and others were essentially canceled because they spoke up in defense of the deposit of the faith, the actual integrity of Catholicism? Let me know what you think of this in all the comments, please, and hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So does sharing this on social media. That helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.